Welcome to the Dear Rochester Retire Well Podcast with David Pulsini from Six Point Financial Partners. In this podcast, find your path towards a brighter financial future with David as your guide as he helps individuals, educators, and healthcare professionals explore ways they can build wealth while minimizing risk using a multifaceted, comprehensive approach to personal finance. Are you ready to take the first step towards a brighter financial tomorrow? Let's get started. Folks, in this episode, we continue our series on the six points of financial planning, which is where our name came from. And again, if you're unfamiliar with the origins of our name, it came from what we believe to be the six major points of financial planning. And if this, those six points are covered, improved upon, and reviewed, our clients should certainly see financial success. The six points are, as a reminder, number one, investment planning, number two, risk management, number three, retirement income planning, which is what we're going to talk about today. Number four, estate planning. Number five, tax planning. And number six, custom goal planning. To help us with the third point of financial planning, and a big one, retirement income planning, we have John Harms, a CFP with 14 years of experience, a husband, father of three, a partner at our firm. He's an Indiana native who made his way to beautiful Rochester, New York. John, how are you today? Dave, I am great. First off, thanks so much for having me on. I know this has been a a long time, long time uh, coming, but it was a warm introduction. I appreciate it. For those that don't know, yeah, Dave and I have known each other for 14 years now. Throughout that time, I've known you to be an idea man, big picture guy, right? (laughs) Um, But you know what? A lot of people have ideas and, and really, you know, they don't go anywhere. I know a lot of people that do that. But your ideas, whether they come from Dunkin' Donuts napkin, you know, that's happened. <laughs> Riding in your car, listen to Toby Keith. Or as we've talked about, some of our best ideas come when we're getting ready for work or in the shower, right? You know, yeah. you got to get out and get those ideas right on paper right away, right? That's right. Um, try. <laughs> but really, when it comes down to it, Again, it's easy to have an idea. I think uh, what you do is you follow through. Maybe a little bit unlike my wife, and I don't mean to pick on her, but she's had this great idea for a uh, pot pie food truck for the last couple of years, and, and that hasn't quite led anywhere yet. You know, maybe maybe down the road. Well, let's, but, let's um, get some comments on that and get Shelly rolling. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know, most people it, it doesn't go anywhere. And, and for you, I've always seen the idea, and then it's how do we do this? Not why, why can't we do this? It's how do we do it? How do we make it happen? And then you go in. So you're an idea man, Dave, but you're actually also a doer. And, and that's nice. been a big help to, to really our whole group. Watching you take this podcast and, and our group, our whole group, Six Point, from this simple idea to where we are right now today. It's been a joy to watch, Dave, really. You're bringing a vast amount of knowledge to really an expanding audience. You're also holding our industry accountable. We talk about this a lot. There's a lot of veterans in this industry that would prefer that things just stayed the same, right? But, you know, I think what you're doing is kind of forcing, you know, people to think about what they're getting from an advisor, what they're getting from the industry. And you're helping us be better at what we do. So it's really my pleasure and honor to be your guest today. Um, Excited to see, you know, where else this journey takes us. But, you know, I know that as long as you're the one leading us, we're going in the right direction. (laughs) John, that's that's too kind. The the purpose is to educate the people, right? And the, the, it's an easy way. We have technology to work in our favor these days, and we might as well take advantage of it. As far as the accountability for other advisors, just wait until we release the episode on what to expect from a financial advisor. They're going to love that one. So, as you know, folks, listen wait. in. Yeah, tune in for that one, and you'll you'll learn what to 
what a financial advisor should be doing for you. And hopefully your advisor is doing that. But today, John, to bring it back to what we're supposed to talk about, and I appreciate all of that, is uh, it's a big topic. And, and we could talk about this for hours and hours. We could meet for with a client every day for probably six months in a row and still find more things to do as far as retirement income planning goes. But it's point number three and six points, again, which is where our name came from. So when we're talking about retirement income planning, I mean, you're a CFP, you've been doing this for a long time. Where do you start? Okay. So kind of try to define what we're talking about, retirement income planning, and really some of the questions that that you know we think about when we talk about income plans. How much do I need to retire? Or, you know, a common question, do I have enough? Right. That's an interesting question. I'm sure you've been in a social setting and had someone come up to you, you know, knows what you do, get to talking. And, and John, I've got a million, two million, you know, is, is that enough? You know, am I, can I retire? Am I good? And between you and I, we have a lot of years of experience, right? And, and we can't answer that question, right? With just, that's there's so much information that we need. Maybe I'm not the best at analogies, but imagine you know you're talking on the phone to a doctor and describing you know I I eat four thousand calories a day, right? So the doctor, if you're just regular average Joe sitting at your desk eating four thousand calories a day, no, that's not great, right? But I, I remember Michael Phelps back in the day, he was eating eight to ten thousand calories a day, right, when he was training. So. Similar regard, retirement income planning, everyone's situation is different. So we've got to collect a lot of info, right? Yep. Where do we start? I know a lot of the audience is, is advisors and a lot of the, you know, the other half is, is uh, yep. people that just want to learn more. I always start off because people that have never met with an advisor, there's going to be some anxiety there. If they've gone their whole career and haven't met with someone, they don't know the process. That's why it's great that you have your other podcasts, you know, the, the questions you should be asking. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of good information. But what I always try to get across is I'm not Dr. Phil, right? I'm not here to judge you on any past mistakes or you know, decisions that, that have been made that led you here. My, my whole job is to take a look at the situation, right? What, what are, where are you? What are you trying to accomplish? And, and really understand your situation, help you even identify goals that maybe you're not even thinking of. But then we can try to develop a plan to get if the plan, if the goals are unrealistic, well, then that's my job also to tell you that and, and tell you, you know, where we need to make some adjustments, right? Yep. Yep. So always first question, wh- when are you going to retire, right? Are you filing your papers tomorrow? I've gotten that, oh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Do you have five, 10 years? What's your time frame? You know, the longer time frame we have, then you know, we, we can do some different things to try to make those adjustments if we need to. Right. Yep. Next, what does retirement look like? Are you someone that plans that that travel? You know, you want you have a bucket list you want to cross off. Uh, do you want to w- move to a warmer climate? You know, maybe from let's say Rochester, New York to Florida. Do you want to spend more time with your children, grandkids? So those are questions that are going to lead to kind of the next thing. And that's, that's budget, right? Yep. So, I mean, I don't know about you, but I can probably count on two hands the amount, and we've met with thousands, right? But I can probably think of a, a couple, you know, maybe a dozen people that actually had a budget, a real budget. So that's extremely important going into retirement is knowing how much money you're going to be spending every year, right? You know, you don't, most people aren't going to have a regular salary. We'll talk about that stuff some more, but we have to generate income, right? To make up for what you're spending. And 
if we can get an idea of what you're actually spending, you know, it's going to seem like homework, but I always kind of tell someone, get that budget down, maybe take a month or two. And we always try to build in that buffer, but it's very important again, to know what that is next. How is your health, right? What are the healthcare options in retirement? So we have to know, you know, does your employer still have healthcare options? Do we have to go out to a state exchange? But those are important questions that, that we would ask. Right. Next, and these are maybe a little less common, but is there anyone you're responsible for? A parent? Do you have to financially support a parent? Are there any um, special needs children in your family? So, things that you're not thinking of necessarily today that aren't in the budget today, but certainly could present something that we need to account for. Next, any major expenses or purchases. So maybe maybe you have to pay for a wedding or um, maybe your kids aren't done with college yet. Maybe that's still an expense we need the budget for. Do you want to purchase a retirement home? Is your roof kind of toward the tail end of its life? And maybe we need to budget for taking money out for a new roof. So a lot of the questions we'll get is, you know, should we pay off that mortgage? Should we finance the, the, the home improvement or try to take out of retirement accounts? So those are the things that we would want to run numbers on and not just make it, you know, kind of a snap decision on, right? And then also, what kind of legacy? Do you have any legacy desires to leave money for family or charities? So those are definitely things we need to take into consideration. So that's all kind of the ideas of retirement. And there are more, you know, there, there could be things that, that we call it kind of other goal planning or, you know, just something that the client wants that we don't specifically have listed. But then we need to go to, okay, what are, what are our sources of retirement, right? So do you have a pension? Is it government or a private employer, you know, you have a whole podcast dedicated to pensions and pensions are going to be, you know, one of the the safer quote unquote forms of retirement. But if you have one, then then that kind of takes some of that uh, heavy lifting off of your investments, right? Then you have decisions to make about social security. Okay. And there you went and did a deep dive on social security. There's, there's so much involved in that. And obviously things can change with social security, but the decision is not always as cut and dry as, hey, I'm 62. They tell me I can take social security. So that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to because I might not live to see it. That's one consideration, right? You know, life expectancy and are you married? Is there an age difference? So I, I always share this. My wife and I, she's two years younger than me. I'm, I'm a male. So my life expectancy is naturally shorter. So what I would tell a client is that, and, and I have 20 years to make this decision, Dave, right? But <laughs> If the numbers work out, it's probably more likely that I should delay my social security, right? If I pass away earlier and my wife has worked less, then she can step into my, she gets the widow's benefit and steps into a larger benefit if I let that continue to roll up, right? So that's just one example I always give a client in that, you know, it might seem like an easy decision, but we should run numbers and you should make an educated decision, right? I think, I think, John, I just saw a piece that was like, there are like 841 combinations on how you Mm. can take social security right now. So most people think a lot of those loopholes and laws have closed and many times they have not. So it's like, and by the way, I'd argue there are more than 841 because you can take it any day that you want to. Right. So like there are almost infinite possibilities. So it's definitely something to run. Definitely. hundred percent. Another, and this is becoming increasingly popular. I think I've had this recent run up of people that are just not happy with their current situation. Maybe, maybe the company has changed ownership or 
Maybe the environment at their employer has changed, but some people are just way too stressed out with their current situation. So if they can take a retirement at 55 and they have a pension, a lot of them want to do that, but not really stop working, right? Not not completely, you know, most don't, wouldn't know what to do, right? That's always the thing we, we hear. So they want to do something. They want to keep working somewhere, but it's maybe part-time or, or even maybe that dream job or starting their own business. But really, when we run plans, if, if you put even a year or two of extra income in there that delays you from having to take out of your tax-deferred investments, right? that goes a long way, right? Oh, yeah. So that's a consideration. And that's really one of the questions we'd ask someone, you know, if, if your goals, if we can't meet your goal, are you willing to work longer or take on a part-time job? Any part-time income, is that a possibility? And, and like I said, more and more, we're seeing that it, it, the frequency is increasing. So as far as accounts and investments, the, the largest form that we'd see is pre-tax retirement accounts, right? These are your 401ks, your 403bs, traditional IRAs, police officers and firefighters, they have 457s. There's a bunch of them, but basically that's where we'd probably see the most amount of savings, right? So if we have a lot of time, then we can kind of address these. Are you maxing out those contributions to your retirement accounts? How are you invested in them? You know, is the allocation appropriate for your, your time that you have and the risk that you're comfortable taking? Is it all in international stock? Is it all in small company stock? So these are things we see. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's real. Is there employer stock in the plan? There's all sorts of different planning options when, when you have employer stock in a, in a 401k plan. So then, then you come to after-tax investments. And it, based on some of the other podcasts you have, and some things I'm not going to harp on it too much, uh, but Roth IRA is extremely important. You know, if you're eligible, should probably be looking at that because it's, for us as an advisor, and I tell this to clients all the time, if you have these types of after-tax investments and it gives us more flexibility to say, you know, we can kind of almost play around with that tax bracket in retirement to make sure you're not paying more than you need to for money that you're taking out of your accounts, right? Yep. yep. So conversions, you know, can you wait the five years to, to take money out if you convert a, into a Roth IRA? Do you have annuities? If you do, what's the payment options on them? Are there surrenders, fees on them? Does that limit what you can get out of them? Taxable brokerage accounts. I love it when people have taxable brokerage accounts you know, because those, the way that they're taxed, I mean, some people might not be paying any capital gains taxes if they're at a low enough income bracket. Having the ability to invest in things like that, that most people aren't really thinking about. You know, I think it was much more common, let's say in the, the 80s when people use stockbrokers, you know, somebody <laughs> would call you up and, and pitch a stock idea. But that, that's kind of gone, right? Most people use their employer-sponsored plans and it's all pre-tax, right? Yep. So yep. if we can meet with someone early enough, and, and these are great things for your other podcasts, the, the what to do in your 20s, 30s, 40s, definitely important considerations. Do you have any executive benefits? You know, Are you executive at your company? Are there deferred comp plans or stock options, stock purchase, restricted? All these different bonus plans have different tax features and they bring up important diversification issues. So those are things that you need to think about and and you know, address real estate. 
you know, the, with all the shows on, on TV about whether it's flip the houses or having an additional income property, we're seeing that more. And it's just another way to kind of diversify your risk. And if, if you have it, then we should know about it and how to plan. You know, if, if that's going to continue on, are you going to be physically able to keep doing that? If you're the landlord, do you fix that up or do you have to, to sell? Then what do we do with the proceeds? So those are also pertinent questions. Required minimum distributions. You guys touched on this in another podcast too. Sometimes we see, and, and definitely if someone has a pension, we see this more. People don't necessarily spend a great deal of their retirement assets early on, right? That's what we generally see if they have those pensions. So what happens is those continue to defer. If you look at the last 14 years in, in stock market returns, the average returns, I, know, I believe it's like 14% for the S&P. That's powerful compounding that now, if you looked at it 10 years ago and you tried to project what those account balances would be, my, my assumption is because we used to always run, well, I'm a dinosaur. I'm 42. <laughs> in our group, I'm a dinosaur. But when I was in college, in our investment courses, we ran at 12% rate of returns, right? That was stock yeah. returns. And then after 08, everybody adjusted down because, you know, from 2001 recession, 2008, the, the stock returns were so much lower. You know, if you're a conservative investor, you beat an aggressive investor over that time. Doesn't happen very often. But now over this last decade, you know, the, an aggressive stock investor has just blown away that conservative investor, right? Yep. That's an important thing is that those retirement accounts become so much larger and the government eventually is going to want you to take some of that money out, right? <laughs> and trust me, it, it is one of those good problems. We know that. I explain that to clients. It's a good problem to have that they're making you take more money out than you want. But it also is maybe an unnecessary tax burden that we can try to plan for to help alleviate, right? Another thing, inheritance, you know, it's a possibility. You got to know, at least as an advisor, if I've made a plan and I don't know about an inheritance, uh, that might, that alone might cost that client hundreds of thousands potentially because I don't have all the information, right? So then we got to put it all together, right? So we know, okay, how much do I need? What sources do I have to kind of build that? So now we got to put it together. So where do we stand? That's hey, that's hey, all John, what we're trying to answer. So yeah. I, I want to let you go because I want I wanted our listeners to understand. All I asked John was where do we start, <laughs> <laughs> and that was just information gathering and where are your sources of income. So and John, you mentioned this several times. It's like we, we could do a podcast on every single bullet line item that you might have that you're looking at. And maybe we will still, still have hours and hours to talk about it. So when I said that we could talk about this for days, I wasn't kidding. And I think the listeners now are like, wow, this is overwhelming. So if, if I were a listener right now, by the way, John, my question would be: if I meet with an advisor, John, how long does it take? <laughs> just to go through what you just talked about. And it, I, I know the answer to this, but I'm asking, I would be like, wow, this is so much, this is overwhelming. This is one of those things that I'd, I'd put off again because I don't feel like dealing with all this, but it's, it's so, not as bad yeah. as it sounds, but I'll let John, John, how long does this take? 100% Dave, the, the first <laughs> meeting data collection. I mean, I am mostly listening. I, I might ask a couple questions. So it goes on as long as the person wants to, but I'd say generally 30 to 45 minutes. What's in my head is always the, yep. the questions I need to get to if I'm not getting that info. And, and, it, and it might even be follow-up information on an email. 
but but this is it, just to give you kind of that that behind the curtain of what is going on in our minds. But I, I think an initial meeting is always about what is the client telling me that they're concerned about, right? Yeah, so. yeah. And no, normally, this is what it sounds like for the listeners. Dave, we found you based on your podcast. Just since you're listening to this. We want, we like to schedule an appointment. The, the client comes in and they say, you know, I want to retire in 10 years. Here's all my stuff. And then we ask some questions. I love what you just did, John, because a big theme that I've been trying to make sure that people understand is they don't need to know all of this stuff. Absolutely right? not. They need, all I ask our clients is they just need to know that we know. That's it. They don't need to know this. They, otherwise, they would be full-time financial planners. So when people ask what financial planners do, John just talked about 1% of it, by the way. <laughs> this was like nothing. This is an opening meeting with a new client, but it seems overwhelming to people. So I don't want people to be afraid or be nervous to come in and say, are you guys going to ask me 9,000 questions about things I don't understand? And John used the word budget. No one wants to do a budget. John said he had 12 out of thousands of people. So I changed the name to a fancy cash flow analysis. And all of a sudden people like it, John. So <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what's coming in, what's going on? Our biggest thing with retirement income, we know this is, and I've said this so many times, how much money do you need? Where's it going to come from? So the first thing we start with is like, just let's go through, do you need $6,000 a month? Do you need 10,000 a month? Do you need 20,000 a month? It doesn't matter what the number is. What then we have to put together is what are all of those things that John just talked about? If I need 10,000 a month, do all of these other things add up? to where I can take 10,000 a month? Yes or no? What adjustments do we have to make? And then be aware of all of the tax stuff and all of the rules that John's talking about. So, and he was going to get into that with the, I believe you said, pulling it all together or putting it all together. And where do we stand now? So John, yep. I'll let so you have back. There you go. <laughs> that's just answering where do we stand? Okay. And for someone, it's really, how do you even know that? And for us, it's, uh, it's the tools that we use, right? Like we have to know as CFPs, we have to know how to do this math but it's tedious and you know, to do it for someone would take too long. So we have tools. I've tried just about everyone out there, you know, every tool that you can imagine in my various roles. But I mean, the tools they're looking at, they could be looking at your tax situation. They could be helping us with making sense of whether um, we should make a Roth conversion or whether we should do something like take our deductions in one year and then not in another year. So what we're really trying to answer though, is there a shortfall? Do we have a surplus or a shortfall? If there's a shortfall, do we have time to bridge the gap or do we need to make any adjustments, right? Some of those, the main ones really are, do we work longer? Do we save more? Do we spend less? Or do we take more investment risk? And that last one is kind of the one that I would I'd maybe steer clear of and, and address the other ones more so. But what are some of the risks to the plan that that most people that that kind of do it themselves they just don't think of this stuff right but probably the most overlooked aspect of retirement income planning is just doing stress tests on it so what are and and you and Anthony Ruffalo did a great podcast i believe it was uh, the 40s or the 50s what yeah, you should do 50s, in the 40s yeah. 50s yeah. Um, but yeah. secrets of returns is a big one we've had a great run up in the market but what happens if you retire and next year and the market immediately drops. So these are things we can run analysis on your plan to see, you know, do you survive that? What about tax increases? Do you think right now we're in a very low tax rate environment historically? The answer is yes. 
if you just pay attention to anything <laughs> with just congressional budget shortfalls and deficits, it's very likely that we'll have tax increases in the future, right? What about Social Security? For, for someone my age, 42, I don't, I can't sit here and 100% say I'm going to get what they tell me on my statement. I'm not so worried about someone in their 60s getting a cut, right? Somebody in their 20s, I would definitely not be necessarily relying upon that, right? So factor that in to your plan, right? Just yep. be on the conservative side. What about longevity? What if you live longer than, than you think you will, right? So we have to plan for that stuff. I, I would always you know, want to plan for something that's a longer case or in some people's minds, a worse case. But what yeah. about uh, the other one is inflation. So big, big hot button item right now, we're seeing increased inflation. Hasn't really led to interest rates spiking too much. But uh, if this is an extended thing, that's going to hurt stock investments, bond investments, right? So what do we have to, to pull our income from? Stock and bond investments. If those are not performing well, then, then we need to kind of be a little bit more careful about our spending, right? Healthcare, number one, right? With concern for retirement, retirees, healthcare expenses. So early, early retirees, they've got to bridge a gap till they can get to Medicare. And I know you had another podcast that talked about that, <laughs> Medicare and planning and all the, all the rules. But the thing is, you just have to put that in that cash flow analysis or budget. You just have to know that it's going to be a major expense and, and we don't want to underestimate what those costs could be. Asset returns, I'd say in general, I'm always coming in with a very low number for what I would expect from those assets to return. Again, we went from 12% expected returns down to maybe 7%. And I've seen plans start to inch those back up because of the last 10, 14 years. But I want to be on the conservative side. I want to know that this can survive if we get below average rates of return, right? And then the other one that the costs in this exploded is long-term care. People living longer. And you know, if you look at demographics, families later on, they're not taking, it's not the 1950s, you know, not everybody's living on a farm and can take care of each other. So it's just, it's not always realistic to have a loved one to be able to care for someone into their nineties, right? So long-term care needs, those are definitely something that, that have exploded because of the demand for it, right? Yep, yep. And all these insurance companies that, that priced in these products and they've had to come back to clients and you and Anthony Ruffalo talked about this too. They're all getting these letters. They want to buy them out because the, the insurance companies are losing money on those products, right? So it's a cost that is going to be something that I think most people should be planning for that not very many do, right? It's just kind of one of those things that that people don't want to think about. Yeah, we just did uh, the last episode, John. That will be released before this one is a lot, a lot about the long term care issue. So I want to quickly summarize again as a listener what what John is saying about the pitfalls, risks, and what do we need to make adjustments. When John is running a plan for his clients, and there are a number of advisors that do this, I personally would rather have my plan run if I were going to see an advisor based on low returns, high taxes, social security cuts, living way too long, the cost of everything going way up, bridging the gap to healthcare, low returns and high long-term care costs. If I can make it through all of those things in my financial plan, I would feel pretty good. And I would rather work with somebody personally, again, that would show me all of those things than to show 
John said this, a 14% return year after year with no other real issues based on today's tax rates and, and so forth. So I like the conservative approach. Now, when John says conservative, he just means being safe, meaning all the bad things are happening. And if we can make it through that, you're good. So it's just so much, John. Like you're throwing all these terms out there. And I know we do this every day. So it's like you're talking asset allocation and, and, and Medicare and asset returns and, and the lost decade of stock markets and the S&P 500. So like most of our clients come in and they're like, guys, I just want you to handle this. Just do this for me. So again, this is one of those things. I love that you're explaining this, John, because I, it helps people understand what you're thinking. I think the challenge is for us as advisors is to get somebody to even listen to all of these things. So hopefully the podcast is making it easier for them. But now we're at the point where yeah, we've yeah. gone through the first meeting, we've gone through gathering info. How much do you have? Where's it going to come from? Where do we stand? Let's put together a conservative plan and then trying to find an answer for these folks, right? So then, then what do we do? Yeah. So hopefully at this point, we've got a plan in place that we know, you know, we can survive this and, and there's a high probability we'll make it, you know, to the end of our lives without running out of money. Right. So then we just come up with some strategies that, that really are tailor fit to the client because every client's going to handle things a little bit differently or have certain preferences and frankly have different situations with their finances. So the, there are three major ones. The first one, probably the, the simplest to understand is a 4% this is what we would just call a 4% withdrawal strategy, right? There's all sorts of studies that, that we learned about in a lot of our courses that involve having just a moderate portfolio, whether that's 50% in stocks and 50% in bonds or you know 60% in stocks and 40% in bonds. But all these studies would show that if you're only taking 4% of that portfolio out, there's never been a 30 year period of time. So, you know, they're looking at a standard retirement of let's say 62 to 92, but there's never been a 30 year period of time where that individual or that family ran out of money if they were only taking 4% of that balance out each year. Right. So, you know, not to say that that can never happen, but again, simplest to understand. But one of the, I'd say the downside to that is that you're just looking at this one portfolio and it's going to do exactly what the market is doing over, you know, you've got that exposure yep. to stocks and that exposure to bonds. So maybe in certain cases, if the individual is on the more conservative side, there are going to be times where maybe they can't stick to that strategy, right? Yeah. Or, or in the, and there could be times where they're taking more than that out anyways, or they might need to. Kind of another strategy that we look at too would be just uh, an annuity for your fixed expenses and then have your other investments in stocks to, to try to grow and give you some inflation hedge down the road. All right. So this is kind of being done for a lot of people already without them knowing it through pensions and social security. But if they don't have that, then this could be a strategy where it just takes a little bit of that concern off of their minds that I need to be able to pay my, you know, if I still have a mortgage or my health care, but what are my fixed expenses every month that aren't going to change? Well, if we have something, an investment, an annuity that's just kicking off an income that pays that then you know our other spending money is coming from our growth investments, right? That kind of gives us that inflation hedge yep. down the road to try to increase our, our, our lifestyle. Then the other one, which I mean, I really like this one, Anthony Ruffalo talked about it too, and that's the bucket strategy where we'd have a short-term bucket for our, our, our you know, next, everyone does it a little bit differently, but it could be next three to five years. Then you have an intermediate term bucket and this one's going to be 
This one's going to take on a little bit more risk, going to have not just the safest investments in there, but it's going to hopefully not run out within the next five to 10 years-ish, sometimes three to 10. And then you have your long-term bucket. And, and sometimes uh, the way you describe it too, it could be like that uh, legacy bucket. Some of that money could go on to, to beneficiaries, heirs, or charities. But Generally, the way I try to explain it is if you've got your growth engine over here, we don't touch that, right? That's our long-term bucket. You're just going to get what the market gets, you know, and hopefully our, our investments are doing better than the market. But that's really, you don't want to touch that money when it's down, right? We want to control when we touch or distribute money, right, in retirement. I don't want to sell something when it's down 30%. So that's why that whole bucket just goes in there because they can do exactly what the market's doing. Your intermediate term, you know, that's going to have a little bit more wiggle room. You might you might look at that one a little bit more tactically, meaning you can change it uh, depending on conditions. And your short term, I I honestly I put it to clients like this, I don't care if that gets me no returns. I just want to know that that's where I can get your expense income for the next 2-3 years or however many makes sense for your situation, right? So again, it's just going to be tailor fit to what that client kind of uh, needs. Yeah. John, let me back up for one second here. The, I, I want to I apply some numbers to this for people that are like, when you're talking about the 4% withdrawal strategy, and we could argue that it could be much higher than that. You can use guardrails and other things that we're not even going to get into right now, but 4% on a million dollars is $40,000 a year. 4% if you have $2 million saved is $80,000 a year. 4% if you have 3 million saved is $120,000 a year. I am telling you folks, if you have $3 million saved in an, into your retirement accounts and we tell you you can only take $120,000 a year, you would tell us we're crazy because it doesn't seem like a lot relative to the 3 million. But those are the studies and the facts that the 4% is a very, very safe study, but it's true. So if you have a million dollars, count on 40,000 a year. So it doesn't seem like a lot when you've saved a million dollars. And that's just, I'm just throwing that out there. Oh, absolutely. hundred yeah, percent. You know, and, and, and we know that, you know, not every year, it's not just a smooth every year. It's going to be the right. same spending. Right. So again, that's one of the challenges with that. That's yeah. the annuity strategy. I, I like this too. I like all the strategies, but the annuity strategy is we, we have folks come in that say, you know what? I just want to know 100% certain that this $5,250, whatever the number is per month is taken care of no matter yes. what happens. So how much we, then we figure out, okay, how much do you need to put into a certain type of annuity to guarantee that $5,250 a month over a certain period of time? And then as advisors, we run it through the universe of annuities to pick the best one <laughs> for those people. And it could be hundreds of companies. I and mean, it's our job to help the client choose which one will pay them out the best way and leave money behind. And that's that's for a totally different episode, but just to put numbers to it. So if somebody comes in and says, that's how much I need, how much do I have to put in that? The bucket strategy for me, John, is by far my favorite because it takes the psychology out of it. Oh, right? yeah. Meaning if I know that I have five years, for example, of guaranteed expenses covered, many people, it removes the, well, I'm worried about the markets every day. If you have five years or two years or three years, whatever you're comfortable with, and the other money is going up and down, I'm telling you that it removes a lot of the, the worry. And during our last downturn at the beginning of the, the COVID pandemic, if people knew they had five years of expenses, I am telling you folks, the, our clients were not nervous. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> because they knew. But, but And by the way, if, if something like that happens for five, longer than five years, we're all in big trouble. 
So sure. by then, all of these other investments have re- recovered and returned a tremendous amount. So the long-term bucket just took off. So I'm going to stop talking about those strategies now, but I wanted to apply some, some real numbers to it. So how yeah, does this all come yeah. together, John? <laughs> well, I mean, that's really on the investment side. The, the next step, obviously, is to make sure you're, you're monitoring or reviewing that, you know, everyone that what's that Mike Tyson uh, quote, everybody's got a plan until they get punched in the mouth. We've had great stock market returns. So, you know, I, I encounter many more people that are asking, you know, should I be more aggressive? And, and the point I always try to get across to a client, when I design an income plan, it's designed to try to survive all these things. And yes, I'm on the more conservative side. I'd much rather under-promise and over-deliver than the opposite with your retirement, right? Yep. So things can change. If we have a negative market, we have a downturn, You know, something that doesn't get bought up right like the COVID crisis, You know, the market recovered so quickly, that's, that's an unusual thing. Uh, for a recession, right? If that happens early on in retirement, it could significantly alter the way that that client looks at you know their investments or even the relationship that you have. So my whole thing is to design you know, a bulletproof plan, really, um, as close as we can get. And if someone is doing this themselves, that's all I would encourage is just to to make sure you're monitoring because. I've had some other people that are the most aggressive investors I've ever had. And kind of the moment they flipped that switch and turned to retirement, everything changed. And they're, call, they're calling if the market has a 1% downturn, right? Yep. You just need to be able to be confident and know that you know, you're going to be able to stick to that plan, right? That the worst thing you can do is, is make these, these changes that you know, the markets are meant to be, you know, for the most part, bought and held, right? Like that's your your Warren Buffett strategy. I buy something and then uh, it, it just grows and grows and grows. And, you know, look at it 30 years from now. Well, not everybody has that luxury, right? But the idea is still the same. You, you need to stick to a strategy. Like there are individual investments, certainly that might not be doing well and, and could be changed. But the overall strategy, as far as what specific types of investments you have in there that I, I don't think should change in a whole lot unless your needs have changed a lot, right? It shouldn't yep. be based on what the market is doing. Right. So exactly. that's that's the point I always try to get across. You know, and it's, don't compare your portfolio. You know, if you're a <laughs> modern investor, don't look at your your son or daughters that's all in stocks and say, oh, they just did 24% last year. Why did I only do 15? You know, it's relative. You, you because the next downturn, theirs is going to go down a lot more, right? So they're contributing. You're not. You need to stick to that plan. You can't sell out on the next market downturn, right? In retirement, you just can't do that. So That's it. we should do an entire podcast, John. On it. it's called relative performance. If you're aggressive, you're only allowed to compare to aggressive. If you're conservative, conservative, and so forth. So we'll get into that, John. We've taken a lot of your time. I appreciate it. You're a busy man. I think that this podcast must have been done live because I heard your phone just going crazy and vibrating half of this, this the podcast. So people must be sure that was trying to get together. So it's people trying to find you, John. So <laughs> if more people want to find you, the advisors or other listeners or the folks that want to do a retirement income plan, if they're interested in learning more about John, where do they find you? Easiest ways, uh, go to our website, www.sixpointfp.com. Uh, my email is jharms at sixpointfp.com. There it is, folks. John Harms, CFP with Retirement Income Planning, point number three. We're going to end it there, John. Thank you again and make it a great day, everybody. 
thank you for listening to the Dear Rochester Retire Well podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Six Point Financial Partners. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Content here is for illustrative and educational purposes only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analysis of Six Point Financial Partners. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG Advisory, Private Client Services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by Six Point Financial Partners or RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor. Private client services, Six Point Financial Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.